everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. morning, everybody. You can have a seat. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. My name is Amos. My wife, Allison, who is running sound, is one of the co-lead pastors. I'm the other one. She's going to join me up here this morning. Uh, it's a little bit of a unique Sunday, but I think it's such a valuable thing that we have uh, committed to doing each year. We usually do it on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, this year, it's not Super Bowl Sunday, but it creates an opportunity to jump into our next series, Deeply Formed, at the beginning of the month. And I've said before, if you want that book, reach out to me, church at csvineyard.org, and I will Amazon it right to you. But uh, I want to start today by reading an email that I got. I got this person's permission, so don't think that if you send me an email, suddenly I might read it uh, up front. But... This was a kind email, and I think the kindness of it stood out to me because I received it as a corrective. I don't know if that's what this person was intending or not. It may have just been an encouragement, but I want to read it to you and for you because of the like, edifying effect that it had on my own heart. Like, it actually kind of nudged me, I think, toward the heart of God in the reading and on, in the reflecting on it. So while it's written for me, I actually think it's like a message that I want to share with everybody who's here in the room and everybody who's listening. She says, I appreciate you bringing up the idea of perseverance last Sunday. That word has been bouncing around in my mind ever since. To me, a major place of application is with the pandemic. We are so tired of it. Am I right? It is so tempting to let out our real frustration and loneliness and burnout become a distraction from God's invitation to put the needs of others ahead of ourselves. It occurs to me that in terms of extending love to those beyond the church, one of the greatest gifts we can give is, the help, is to help drive numbers down as fast as possible. Public schools in particular can't open fully until community numbers are much lower. While many within the church might be fine because they don't have school-aged kids or they homeschool or use private schools or have a parent at home to chaperone online, in the larger community, those who are most vulnerable are unable to make ends meet without the schools open. I wonder if there might be gentle wisdom in, now listen to this, an attitude of cheerful perseverance. And I think that in particular is where I felt <laughs> the correction in my own attitude uh, toward wearing masks. An attitude of cheerful perseverance. For going the extra mile, mile Going the extra mile, that's a reference to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, when it comes to pandemic precautions, even for those who may not feel personally at risk from coronavirus. Perhaps tripods are an opportunity to inspire new ways to gather that are still masked and or outside. The conservatory at Longwood Gardens is open, warm, 
Or people could become mall walkers at Exton. I think she means the mall. Oh, yeah, mall walkers at Exton Mall. That would be redundant. There I go trying to correct someone's grammar. Or set up a pickup basketball game or bundle up and enjoy a local nature preserve with a takeout coffee from the farmhouse to keep warm. Instead of complaining about masks, express thanksgiving that something so inexpensive can extend protection so efficiently when worn universally. Anyway, she says, I would love to encourage Vineyard to persevere in going the extra mile with the pandemic. And then she quotes Galatians 5.13, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I find that verse so encouraging and so inspiring. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then Galatians 6.9, let's not get tired of doing what is good. And again, she, she writes this to me, but I want to say this to you. Thank you per, for your perseverance during this long and challenging season. I think this points us to the heart of Jesus. I think cheerful perseverance is a great word and a reminder to keep us on track. I think that the passage in Galatians to both respect freedom, but to use your freedom to serve and to sacrifice and to love is the right word and the right frame through which to view the circumstances that we're living in now. And I know that not everybody may look at mask wearing through the same lens. And I think that's one of the, the realities that tears me up personally because unity is so important and the diversity that we have in this church politically in particular is is a treasure i mean it's a treasure to me it's something i treasure but i think it's what makes us who we are and helps us be people who can really love like jesus because we're not all the same we're not just a social club where everybody gets together and everybody thinks the same things and views the world the same way we are a body of people with diversity, not just in gifting, but in perspective. And so as we talk about the importance of commitment today, because it's Partnership Sunday, one of the real benefits of commitment is that when you disagree or when you are hurt or when you hurt someone, because you are committed to that person, instead of disengaging, which is usually what happens, right? In a relationship without commitment, if you hurt, if you're hurt, you just disappear. Uh, the word for that is ghosting, right? Like all of a sudden, the person's they're gone, right? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, but if if you're living within the bounds of a commitment, you're like you're stuck with each other, right? Uh, and I mean that in the positive sense. And so you move toward each other and work it out. That's the that's the biblical model, and I think that's that's actually the recipe for like human flourishing, as we'll be looking at. And it's the recipe to move past what is so easy and so common in like surface level, loose relationships. Like the, the real tragedy, I think, of the way many people do relationships today is it's really easy to know a lot of people loosely, but it's really hard to know a few people deeply. And so at multiple that, those dynamics work at multiple levels inside the church. There's 
you know, tripods and life groups and then like the church body, the people who like show up on a Sunday or who tune in online, like there's different levels of commitment and different depth of relationship, but hopefully uh, commitment to each other. And so Allison is going to read from Psalm 1 for us. But actually, wait, can I pray for us first? Okay. Come Holy Spirit, we invite you here. We ask that your word would be heard today. Like not just the words of Psalm 1, uh, but the words that you're wanting to speak to us through your Holy Spirit. And so as Allison and I share, we ask that some of what we say would actually reflect your heart uh, and your purpose for the people in this room. So meet us today. Speak to us, nourish us, fill us. Sustain us and help us to persevere cheerfully. Amen. Amen. Well, hear these words from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that blows or that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Can kind of be a heavy passage. Is that what you were going to oh, say? I was just going to say, happy ending to that one. Yeah, it's true. Uh, maybe not the most obvious of choices when we're talking about commitment, but as this scripture just came to my mind this week, it's so rich. It has so much to teach us about. And right away, I'm just drawn to that back and forth comparison of the good life, the way that leads to flourishing and health and multiplying, and then the way that leads to death and destruction. And it, it just is like a seesaw as you read it. You can kind of even feel that in your emotions and in your gut. And I'm, I'm just drawn to the comparison between the tree and the chaff. And chaff is probably not a word that you all use very regularly. It's not really in my vocab. Uh, so I had to look it up. And if you are a farmer or into agriculture, you know more than I do. If I look it up, you mean ask me. Well, ask you and Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, you, did, you did use Wikipedia. Wikipedia, come on. I grew up on a it's farm, great. so I know what chaff is. Sorry, continue. This That's is going to be like this all morning. Oh, boy. I hope. Hang on. hope you're entertained. <laughs> That is not the point. <laughs> no, you're right. Dude, correction number two this morning. Oh, man. Okay. Um, anyway, chaff is the byproduct of harvesting wheat or other grains, and it is this powdery substance or like little sticks and twigs. It's, it's in the air. It's like dust. And right here it says it, 
it can be blown away then, right? It, it actually does not have use or purpose to the farmer, to the plants anymore. And I was thinking about this, you know, it used to be part of the wheat, but in that process, it actually becomes disconnected. There is no connection to any part of the plant anymore for the chaff. And so, therefore, when the winds blow, it is just scattered. It has no place to land. Um, and when you compare that to this tree, and you all know, if you've heard me speak before, I do like tree metaphors, but I think God does too. It's all over the Bible that um, he just creates in a way that, that helps us see the spiritual realities of our life. And the tree is sturdy, it is firm, it has roots that go deep down into the dirt, deep into the soil, into its source of life. And in this passage, it's saying not only does the tree have roots that are in the soil, but it's planted by a stream uh, of living water. And so it's getting this freshness, this movement of life that is sustaining it. And it says because of that, it's going to yield fruit in season, and its leaves don't wither, whatever it does prospers. And if you think about, the again, the purpose of a tree is to produce fruit, is to produce shade. And so right here you have, like, the leaves aren't going to wither up. It will continue to give shade, and it's going to give you and others fruit. It's going to multiply out. And I just, I just love this idea because... In our culture right now, I think we're very attached to the idea of freedom. And it's interesting that you brought that up in that, in that email. There was this concept of, like, use your freedom for the good of other people. And I think that we're so conditioned by advertising, by the mall, by pop culture to say, no, use your freedom to do whatever the heck you want as long as it's good for you. Um, and so chase all the options, have as much, you know, conquer as much territory on this plane as vast as you can. Um, but this passage just seems to say those things actually lack meaning. Sometimes the more choices we have, the less meaning we have in our life. And so when we want to sink into that thing, it doesn't hold. It just, it just blows away. Is that true? That's true. Like all the choices and all the options and all the freedom actually leave you just... More anxious and less fulfilled, I think. Less satisfied. Um, and I, I was I, looking for an amen. Oh. Thank you. Okay. Interactive No, that's not really, it's not really a vineyard thing, but like <laughs> no, a, a hoo-ha, maybe. Boy, you're in a mood today. This is going to be interesting. I, I like you. This oh, is fun good. for Oh, good. Okay. Well, I want to say one more thing about, about what I find so interesting in here is that I think when it comes to being committed, right? That tree is committed to its spot in the soil, really. Like, it's planted. It's very hard to uproot a tree. And you were telling me about this the other day because you worked for a tree service. Um, if you want to get rid of a tree, yeah, you can chop it down, but you're going to lose your life. Like, that is going to end that tree's life. And if you want to transplant it, it's a super gentle, delicate process. And you try to, like, preserve as many of the roots as you can, but there's it's hard to do, right? <laughs> use You're the word laughing because it's not gentle and delicate. And when it comes to moving a tree, right? Because we have the equipment. Have you seen a tree mover? There's like these giant spades in a circle and they go, and it, it severs the root, right? And you take as much as you can, but it's, I mean, it's really hard on the tree. The tree is super vulnerable when it's transplanted, yeah. when it's 
uprooted from the place where it was planted. That tree is susceptible to storm in a way that it wasn't if it has deep roots. That tree is susceptible to drought. So, I mean, think about, use this as a spiritual metaphor, right? Like if you uproot out of your community and a spiritual drought comes or a crisis comes or a pandemic comes, what's going to sustain you? If you've planted a tree in your yard, transplanted a tree in your yard, you need a hose on that thing to keep it, to keep it alive, like four hours a day, eight hours a day. Has anybody done that? Or the tree dies because the, the removal from where it was planted is, is like actually super traumatic. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I have passion about this, I guess. What? Yeah, I said more good news from Amos. Well, and I think that what you're, I'm hearing you say, what I'm not hearing you say is uh, once you find a spiritual community, you're there for life. And if you ever want to, to go and explore something else or if it's just not the right season for you, then that's wrong. That is not what you're saying. Similarly, like an actual move geographically, you're not saying stick in one spot on the map and never move at all. But But there are consequences to it in a way because the design is for constraint right like you just see constraint in every aspect of god's creation like trees have roots rivers have banks the ocean has a shore Um, and even the things that we create as people like trains have tracks the best technology when you have you know robots to do their job well they are like working in a very specific pattern Um, of how they're supposed to function. And I think for some reason we have started to believe as a society that humans are above that, like that we don't need any boundaries, we don't need any constraints in our life to flourish. Um, And so when you you read again, it says, to be that well-watered tree, we are to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. And I think... Amos has some more insights for us about that law and how that applies. Uh, yeah, so we, we talked about this in part a few weeks ago with that passage from Proverbs. Remember, without vision, people perish, yeah. But like basically, if you listen to the Scriptures, if you root yourself in the Scriptures, then you have a, you remember, a good life, a blessed life. Actually, the same word the as same word shows up here in Psalm 1. Like you have joy, you have wholeness, you have flourishing. And so the, the one who like, has a good life is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Again, the Torah is what the passage here says specifically and what it's referencing is those first five books of the Old Testament. Now, when you think about what's in the Bible or what's in Torah or what's in law, you might think, oh, it's probably just a bunch of either rules or suggestions or guidelines on how to relate to God, right? It's, that's, what, well, that's what's in the Bible, right? Well, that's, that's maybe only half true. Because first of all, when you look at the Torah, what do you have? You have a story of a people. It's embedded in the story of a people who are actually connected and committed to each other through family lines. So everybody's related. This nation of Israel, you know, can trace back to the 12 sons of Jacob and then Father Abraham, right? And so in a church, we don't have family relationship, but we have a spiritual family connection that, I mean, I think the New Testament says is deeper 
than a biological connection. Think about that. So the story of both the Torah and when we look at the New Testament, the story of Jesus and the people of God, there's, there's the context of community, first of all. But second of all, when you actually look at the prescriptions in the Torah, in the law, you don't only find ways to worship, like prescriptions for worship, uh, boundaries around how you relate to God. In fact, think about the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. There's actually more commandments about how you relate to other people that you're committed to than how to relate to God. You know the cocktail? The first four are about your relationship to God. The second, or the second six, the next six are, uh, it's all about people. Don't lie, don't steal, don't covet, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother, you know? Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's there. The idea behind the covenant of the first five books of the Bible, what I mean by covenant, the promises that God is making to his people, but also the promises that God's people are making are not just to God, it's, it's to each other. So you find, for instance, in Leviticus. Okay, don't open up Leviticus and read through it. It's just, it, it, it'll be really hard to understand, okay, if you're new to the Bible. But there's, there's stuff about temple worship, yes, but there's all kinds of stuff about how you relate to others. For instance, there's prescriptions on caring for the poor, the vulnerable, the widow, the foreigner, the immigrant, and there's prescriptions for justice and generosity. In fact, it's in Leviticus that you first find the words that Jesus quotes, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And beyond that, don't harbor resentment, <laughs> right? That's, those, are, those are like the two sides. Don't harbor resentment against anybody. So the, the, whole, um, the whole design of the Torah, but the Bible as a whole, is about commitment to community and how you interact with each other. So let's, let's kind of bring this down and talk about this practically. Uh, and then we'll, we have like a video that we made last year uh, when things were easier uh, to kind of share the partnership commitment with you guys. Like if you want to say, yeah, I want to commit to this church, it's these things we're committing to. But let me ask you first, Allison, to just kind of help us all reflect. Uh, if you think about the people in your life that you are most committed to, you guys think about this too. Think about the people in your life that you're most committed to. What makes that the case? Why are you so committed to those people? What, what's the context? What's the, what's the why and the how? Yeah, I mean, I think I've I think first about my family, which we've already talked about. That's that's right in these passages and what you were referencing too. I mean, it's it's you and Isla, and you know I I miss you guys when I'm not with you, and I think that that's a sign that I'm deeply committed to you. Uh, but again, coming back to that idea of choices and freedom actually being limited, like I. I have to come home when I'm away from my trip. I have to come home and discipline my kid. <laughs> I have to come home and love you, my husband. And I, I choose to serve and love not just anybody, but specifically Amos and Isla 
in that context. And so it's like I said, in, in actually limiting my personal freedom, that means I don't get to spend my time how I want all the time. I, I am in service to those two other humans. And because of that, maybe I feel a sense of personal freedom being reduced, but the meaning and the connection and the depth of care and love that I get back in return um, makes it worth it for me. You, it's interesting you use the word freedom inside of family because there's uh, there's something about the people you live with or committed to, like made promises to, like you are actually free to be yourself, <laughs> right? Yep. Like your moods are a little freer and uh, the frustrations, but also, also the joys, right? <laughs> You're stuck with me and the fact that I leave the cupboards open. Oh, yeah, it's true. For instance. <laughs> yes, I'm working on that one. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. This is just about our little girl, Isla. Remember, I reserved the right to talk about her. What? So her latest thing is uh, if she doesn't want to do something, she'll be like, I'm too mad. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I love her mad side and her happy side and her sad side. and her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. She's free to express that. Yeah. <laughs> too mad. Too mad. Oh, she does it a lot now. It's cute. Oh, man. The emotions oh, of that man. little girl. Yeah. I'm thinking, though, also about people who I'm not biologically related to, who I'm most committed to. And I think, again, they're people who have, have decided and have stuck with me in the journey of paying attention to my inner life and my life with God. Like, it's, it's people who have made an intentional commitment, whether through words or just showing up to like Allison when when good times come I'm there to celebrate with you but when things are hard I'm also I'm there for you I have your back and you know thinking about church partnership and how again it's so in contrast to what the culture says is a membership or a partnership. Like we have a, a membership to Costco and I, I've talked about this before and I was thinking about it. I don't actually have to know any other person who has a Costco membership to be in that club. Like, so when I am struggling, the Costco people don't have my back, right? They, they don't. I mean, it's just this mass network of people who are consuming something, but I don't have to know anything about their lives. And I just think that is so, um, it just so relates to this passage with the chaff. It just feels, it feels a little bit like that. That word consume is such an interesting one because some of us yeah. want, like, or only want to consume community. Mm -hmm. But that's actually not community. That's something else. I don't know what it is, but that's like a Costco membership. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. No, no, that's what I got for you. Oh, that's it? Uh, oh, Here's a question. I'm wondering, like, in those commitments, because, like, there, there's such a thing as, like, size dynamics. Like, it's, like, the bigger group, the bigger the group that's committing to each other, like, kind of the more clear it has to be and maybe written down. So, like, Torah is written down, right? Uh, maybe that's not as clear or defined in, like, the, the friends that you're talking about, but maybe there is. Like, what's... What's the understanding or what's the commitment or how, sure. how do you know that these are your people, you know? Yeah, I mean, I actually explicitly asked them to be that for me. I mean, that's it. That's a, an easy answer. But I think, you know, I have a specific group who we have a time together calendared. And what I said to them is like, hey, I need you in my life and I need this in my life and I need a safe space to just process and see what God is up to in my heart. 
Uh, and so unless there's like a family emergency or a crisis or you're really sick, like you're there. And, and they are. Um, and I think that that can be really, again, hard to choose because maybe in the moment I don't feel like showing up to my life group. That's happened to me before. I don't feel like getting on that Zoom call. Uh, but it's so like beneficial once I do that it's like it's almost that we have to make the commitment first and then we reap those benefits. But yeah, you make yeah. the decision before you meet rather than when you're meeting or when you're about to get together, right? Because right. otherwise, I'm tired, I'm busy, I don't have time for this, I'm behind on the dishes. I'm always behind. You just got to choose it, right? I have to choose to like <laughs> yeah. I'm behind on the stuff. It's a pre-decision. Yeah, it's a commit. Yeah. That's a commitment. Yep. Um, okay. Is that all you have to say? Yeah. I will, uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll translate here a little bit into something that's just very important to me and very important to our church, and that's depth of relationship, deepening friendships, and uh, kind of the, the vision behind that when we're talking about tripods, which is like a group of three or four people. We've been talking about that a lot the last few weeks. Uh, committed, prioritized, uh, and pra praying and growing and sharing life vulnerably, right? Um, that those are that's a context where you can go really deep, but also life groups or other groups, both really ways to accomplish the same thing. And one of the, I mean, it's so great. I, the tripod, the momentum behind tripods and doing life that way, has just really, I mean, gone way better than I thought it would. We have high school students saying, "I'm, I'm doing this. I'm finding people to be intentional with." Uh, to love and who will love and know me. We have, you know, people that are quilting together, people meeting on Zoom and meeting in person, and those couches out in the lobby are set in a circle so that when I meet with a few guys, we can wear masks and be socially distanced and see each other and be comfortable. And, I, and we, we will share those couches with you if that's where you want to meet in a tripod setting. But, like, which, it, like, the reality is not all of us have time to do both, right? Mm -hmm. Some of us are in a life season where, you might be forced to make a decision between a tripod or a life group. And I, I don't know that I can actually say, well, do this or do that. Because if you're in a life group where you feel known and loved and like you're committed to them and, and you're experiencing friendship and life, like don't uproot yourself. Like don't stop that to start something new. Um, if it's, if it's, filling you if it's if it's the place where you're flourishing but if you're wanting maybe a depth or an intimacy we'll call it you know I don't mean it eh, never mind like intimacy is something that guys need too that's what I was gonna say <laughs> a go. manly intimacy manly. which like it. always includes at least like football talk or I don't know not everybody's into football it's a bad example computers phones whatever it is you're into Sorry, I'm getting off track here. Um, just a reminder that a commitment to this church, a commitment to come on Sunday or engage on Sunday is like really good, but it's not everything. Like you need something more. And so with that, let's zoom out a second and uh, let's play that video about partnership in the vineyard. What does it mean to be part of this community? I am committed to our mission. 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 I am committed to our mission to love like Jesus. 
At the Vineyard Church, partnership is based on honest intentions, grace, love, and mutual respect. We don't want to micromanage each other's lives. We trust one another to keep our commitments consistently, not perfectly. We celebrate the mystery that despite our diversity and brokenness, it is by grace that we are all part of Jesus' body. We believe commitment to a local church is an important step in your spiritual journey. It's our way of saying this is who we are and your opportunity to say, yes, I will. I will love God. I trust Jesus to be the Lord of my life. This means I give up control and instead follow his spirit and his desires for every aspect of my being. I will participate regularly in weekend services to cultivate my spiritual health through hearing, reading God's word, worship, prayer, and relationships. I am committed to developing a lifestyle characterized by financial generosity. I will faithfully give to my church. I will prayerfully seek God's guidance about giving a percentage of income and give sacrificially when God serves me to give to additional needs or opportunities. I will find a place to serve at the vineyard in a group or on Sunday. When I need help finding my place on the team, I will take initiative. I will love people. I will engage in authentic relationships, both during and beyond Sunday service. I will let others into my life and turn to help carry their burdens. I will seriously consider joining a life group. I will create a culture of radical welcome by choosing to withhold judgment and assumptions about people's behavior and motivation. I will make the first move to pursue reconciliation when relationships break down. I will think the best of others and offer forgiveness to those who hurt or betray me. I will embrace the pain of loving people over the temptation to withdraw or express my feelings in passive-aggressive ways, like gossip and slander, even if it involves the vineyard's leadership. I will intentionally invest in friendships with people who are not connected to a church, with those who are not yet following Jesus. I will show integrity, not hiding who I am, nor what God is doing in my life. I will love myself. I will base my identity in God's unconditional love for me, not on my performance or ability to earn His favor. I will love myself. I will grow in self-awareness by paying attention to my inner life so that it is shaped more and more by Jesus and His love. I am committed to self-care as a way to value myself like God does. I will work towards setting healthy boundaries in my life and taking seriously the command to rest each week. I will journey toward becoming whole in my mind, body, and emotions, rather than make excuses for my shortcomings. I will be honest about my flaws, hang-ups, and brokenness and invite Jesus into them. So I think there's a few big reasons why we do partnership every year. And one of them is to remember and to refresh what it means to be in community together, following Jesus together. It's something that happened in the, in the Old Testament as well. Moses actually prescribes that everybody gets together uh, every few years and the entire Torah be read. They don't do it, and they mess up big time and get themselves into all sorts of trouble, if you know the story, uh, after Moses. 
But there are periods where they kind of realize that reading Torah together is important. And so, like, I think King Hezekiah does it. They do it in Ezra or Nehemiah or maybe both. They pull out the Torah and they read it together and they refresh and renew their commitment to God and to each other. And so one of the big reasons that we do this is to remember because it's easy to forget even after a year. A lot happens in a year, am I right? Uh, so yeah. it's, it's a way for us all to like recalibrate, to remember things like, oh, I'm not going to triangulate. In other words, if I've got an issue with you, I'm not going to talk to her about it. I'm going to talk to you about it. Um, I'm not going to go on Facebook and vent my frustrations. I'm going to come and talk to you about it, right? So remembering what it means to be in community. And secondly, like uh, connection, feeling connected. It's a way for like you to say, yes, uh, I am part of something bigger than myself. And so one of the, one of the things, of course, is like, that all came kind of fast. If you want to look at the, the text of the partnership commitment, it's on our website. Uh, I think it's pretty easy to find. It's like in uh, the I'm new section of the website. And if, if commitment to the partnership is something you want to do, we're actually doing a communion service online tonight. You can join even if you don't want to be a partner, but uh, we're doing communion on Zoom. 6.30, we'll send you uh, an email and a text about it if you don't get emails and texts from us, you can go fill out a digital connect card uh, and then then you will get it. If, if you do that before like six o'clock, I'll make sure. Um, but one of the sections has to do with like basically giving of yourself, loving others, not just inside the church body, but outside of it as well. Uh, and and that's, that's a, a nudging, that's an urging, that's something we feel like is really important and we see Jesus doing it. One of the ways that you can participate, as always, is to simply give to the Four Corners offering. It's the way we remember the poor. And this month, we've been giving to the Warming Center in Pottstown. And if you got the weekly email, there's now actually an opportunity to sign up and uh, volunteer at the Pottstown Warming Center. And like when, as the people who are homeless come in, just make sure they find a spot and give them food. And so there's going to be more opportunities to partner and serve the community throughout the year as the team continues to uh, brainstorm and talk, but pay attention to that. Uh, the idea of joining the CARE network. So again, this is something you can do through the digital connect card. We've got people who have said like, I am willing to cook meals when somebody has a baby, when somebody's sick, when somebody's in the hospital. I'm willing to give somebody a ride if they need to be taken to the airport. And if, if you kind of don't have the organic t connections to make that happen, then we have a way for you to say, you know, I'm willing to help just anybody, even if I don't know them. And so connecting with the CARE Network is a great way for you to kind of utilize your gifting and energy and time and passion to help people uh, in, inside the church. Um, another, I mean, way, just need to mention it, loving our neighbors is really important to us. So like just getting to know your neighbors and loving them well and investing in them relationally and and helping them when they need help, like that's, that's very close to the vision. But we want to celebrate a few people today uh, who have just really been exceptional, who have gone, gone above and beyond. I guess I have this little basket of, of footballs, and we do footballs because did you know at the end of a game, I think this is true at high school, college, and pro level, they, uh, they give a game ball to the person who like made just 
incredible contributions and, and help the team like help the team out. So we just we've identified a few people. A couple of them can't be with us today, but first of all, Jeff Cronin, who I think he's been in the building more than I have this year. I don't know if you knew, but there used to be walls to my left and to my right, and then we were down to bare studs, and he he did like a ton of the drywall. Drywall is not fun for very many people, but this guy, I mean, he he did it, and he was in here, and he, I would never have asked Jeff to do as much as he did. Like, it, it would, I would have not had the courage. It, like, the amount of, uh, the, the way he's given to our church is just way beyond yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I can imagine. So, thank you, Jeff. You are loved, and uh, we want to honor you today. Scott Russell is another person who has been in the building a lot. He helped out with the mudding as well. I don't know if you know, these ceilings are really high, and he doesn't like heights. So, like, that's a, that's a loving thing. Uh, he, he coordinated the building of the new stage. I mean, he's just... The sound booth. He built the sound booth. Oh, I mean, with help, of that. course, but, I mean, just served his guts out. And unfortunately, again, he couldn't be here today. I don't think that um, Frank is here today either. Is Frank in the building? Okay, well, I'm going to deliver this to Frank, but we always want to support. Frank. Well, sorry, this is a prop, not so much. Okay. I mean, I'm propping. Um, Frank is just always willing to help in a pinch, and we always want to, I think we've really tried hard to make sure that people who love our kids really well get recognized. Yeah. Um, this past summer, I don't know that we would have been able to provide vineyard kids without Frank's help with yeah. any sort of consistency. He was just, when we were meeting outside, he was over on the playground. Oh, man. He made water play so fun. <laughs> he filled pools. He filled water balloons. He filled water squirters. He was at week in and week out so that those kids could come. It was amazing. And he's always just been like that. Like, he is, I'm here to help. What do you need? He says that to me once a week, I think. <laughs> so just a huge servant heart and want to just to celebrate and appreciate that. Next, I will, here, you can do this one. Oh, yeah, okay. Next game ball goes to Chris Jones. Can you actually pop off your, your perch there? That's a weird way to say that. But you <laughs> Tyler's going to jump down. on. Okay, Tyler's going to jump on. See, so, so just so you know, it's like a crazy, hectic shift for him to come up here and get this ball, and that is because he does so much. So, Chris game ball to you. We are so thankful. So Chris has been like at the helm of all the technological changes, things we've needed to build from scratch or redo just to make a live stream happen. And I mean, I have, I'm just been in awe at how willing you've been, Chris, to like I mean, I don't even have to ask you. Like, you're like six steps ahead of me most of the time. I'm like, hey, we should really. And he's like, I already got it done. And the CQ driver, the G32 X. I mean, he's got all these words. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, it means that when we live stream, it will sound good. I'm like, that's great. That's what we need because it's like distracting if it sounds bad, right? So Chris has just been amazing at that. And on top of just getting the technology set, like he's actually running the camera and running the stream. Pretty much every single week. I think maybe week. there's been one week in the last year. Since like March. since March 11th. Yeah, yeah. That you haven't been back. There. I mean, we went into quarantine and we had a live stream that very first week and it was largely due to Chris. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to you, Chris. I would normally like actually spiral this at you, but I'm just going to toss it. But thank you. Thank you, thank Chris. Thank you, Chris. All right.
right. And Chris could not have done it without his fearless sidekick, Tom Miller, who's also back in the booth. Come on up, Tom. Oh, man. So Tom actually heads our projection team. So he's been so great in getting uh, just some people trained up to run the PowerPoint, to run the slides, to program it all. And he, too, has just this immense computer knowledge. And so when we say, like, we need the slides on this side of the screen so it doesn't cover my face, but we still see the, the text. And he's like, I got it, I got it. Um, so he's been working with cameras. He's been working with the internet. I mean, we need the internet to do what we're doing here, and he's always got ideas for how to make the internet work better. Right? Do you have anything else? Oh, I mean, and it's again, it's, it's Sunday mornings. Uh, even when this room was totally empty and all the chairs were stacked up and it was a mess, like you've been, you were here, and it's during the week you've been here, and so much. such a problem solver, and oh just thank you. Yes, thank you, thank, thank, you, you, thank you. you. And I have to give a really quick shout out to your wife, Jan Miller. She gets an honorary game ball because she literally every week since March has been with Isla, our daughter, to let us be here right. and make so this happen. So you can run so sound. It, I have to <laughs> run sound. Speak. So he, yes, it's like this little puzzle. It's and, been quite a year. And we literally say every week, like, what would we do without the oh, Millers? I don't know. What oh, we, do. we wouldn't be okay. Okay. <laughs> like it, so thank you, Tom. It's well deserved. There's your game ball to thank Tom. You. So if you have contact information for Frank, Jeff, Scott, or uh, Tom and Chris, we're going to take like 30 seconds, pull out your phones, oh, and right do it right now. So just send them like a, you're amazing. Thanks for loving like Jesus. Uh, you, I mean, thank you, whatever. I want to blow up their phones. Great. They're going to love that. No, they're not, because they're, like, humble and don't even want to know. They don't even want people to know that they're serving. Uh, but if you don't have contact information, it's still an invitation for you to think about people in your life who you see as just real servants and, and shoot them a text. Again, there's nothing like appreciation and gratitude. Yeah. It goes so far. It goes really far in building positive and healthy relationships, which we learned at the marriage journey. Yeah, Zoom wow. Thing. Just tying Last it all Thursday. in today. That's great. Okay. You keep doing that. I'm going to say one final thing, and then Allison will finish this up, and then we will worship. And uh, we're going to go a little longer today. It happens every year on Partnership Sunday. Uh, but it's, I mean, you came here to sing, right? Like, maybe as much or more as you came here to listen to us speak. So um, what was I going to say? Oh, the tree, the fruit. One of the characteristics of this tree that's planted by the, the streams of water is that it bears fruit in season. And the thing about fruit is, is the fruit doesn't actually serve the tree in a direct way. Like the, the tree doesn't eat the fruit. The fruit is made actually intentionally to be delicious so that other living things can eat it and benefit from it. Now, inside of that fruit, of course, there is a seed. And I think for our purposes, like anything that we do that's loving to other people in the name of Jesus has the seed of the hope of his resurrection. Yeah. How's that for a allegory? That's great. <laughs> Metaphor. 
But, uh, but the idea is, like, if, if you're actually flourishing, if you're planted, if you're benefiting from community, if Jesus is your everything, one of the ways that uh, your life reflects that is that you give to people who are not you, who are not even kind of part of your, you know, social group or covenant or spiritual community. Like, there's something just purely generous about life with God um, that we receive, but then also that we show. So I think my, my last question is, like, can you tell us a little bit more about why commitment to community is valuable? Yeah, I mean, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I think, well, actually, when you asked me that question the other day, I said, oh, it's valuable because it's safe. And it surprised me that I said that because I am pretty acutely aware, I think, a lot of the times that there's actually a lot of risk in being vulnerable. There's risk in being your true self, and there's always a chance that you will be rejected. And, and like, we're going to hurt each other. We're going to step on each other's toes. We're going to get it wrong here in church. Um, so I just thought, well, that's interesting that I picked the word safe. Um, but I think it's that sense that if you are also orienting your life towards Jesus, and I am too, then circumstances can change and things can shift, but the thing that gives me real meaning is the same, and we share that in common, and so there's there's safety in that, I think. And so just like as as your pastor, as your leader, like my my calling really is to help us all like choose the ways of Jesus. And I just feel like this is what this partnership commitment is. It's not rules for rules sake. It is like there is a real way to do life well so that you will become flourishing forever, that you will go on, that you will continue. And I want us all to choose well. And I'm just so aware of, of the ways that the world would tell us otherwise because the uh, it's it's like the short game, right? Like you can actually win in the, in the moment or in the short term by choosing the wrong things, by choosing the way of the wicked. Like it actually feels like winning sometimes, but it's it's not. Jesus says it's the depth that takes years and decades to develop. It's the the depth that gets woven into your life um, just through that right foot left foot commitment to a church. And, you know, the last thing I will say is when you choose Jesus, he gives you meaning, but then you also get this cascading meaning that goes out into your relationships and into your vocation, into your sexuality, into your money. I mean, you can hear all of those themes in our, in our partnership commitment. And that's just this beautiful waterfall effect of if if Jesus is the essential thing, everything else falls into line. Doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take hard work. It doesn't mean that it doesn't require discernment. It does. But you get that ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction. And I just think that's what we're designed for. So. Thank you. Let's stand. I'm going to invite again God's spirit to come and be present to us. But um, I just invite you to be receptive to the reality that God is here. Jesus promises that when even just two or three gather together in his name, that he will be present. And so come, Holy Spirit.
Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.